All right, with that, why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, and this morning we're actually going to finish this chapter. I know we've been uh, going little by little, as I mentioned last time we went through Revelation. I did a whole chapter one shot. But this time I felt like there was some more details that I wanted to bring out, more depth that we can go you know, into in learning uh, what's going to be going on with these seals. So we're back here this morning, Revelation chapter 6. But uh, let's pray. Let's pray once again and ask God to bless our word. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Our hearts are already warmed by you as we're in your presence before you, God, in your throne room, so to speak. God, we, we are so thankful that you brought us here this morning, given us another day to live for you, God. Another time this Sunday to worship and just to be in your presence, to be with you. Oh, God, it just refreshes my heart. It lifts me up. And God, continue to, to speak to us and minister to us through your word now. God, as we get into your word, I pray your Holy Spirit, I ask your Holy Spirit to come and fill us and give us understanding, open our eyes to your word and what you're saying to us today, God. I believe you have a word for each one of us this morning. And no matter what we're getting into, God, this is your word, your living word. This is you communicating to us. So I pray, Lord, that through your spirit, you would speak and help us, God, in our hearts, Lord. To not only understand, but to see you, Lord, in a clear way. And to bring, God, you into our lives in a more real way every day. So, Lord, I pray for your anointing by your spirit. And I ask this, God. I plead with you, Lord. I cry out to you that you would answer this prayer. Anointed by your spirit, God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, on March 11, 2011, I don't know if you remember that date, at 2.46 p.m., Japan experienced a 9.1 earthquake 81 miles off the coast. And that lasted, can you imagine this earthquake lasted six minutes? I mean, just 10 seconds is long, right? Just a jolt or 30 seconds, but this lasted six minutes. Well, with that, if you remember watching on the news, that triggered this tsunami. And they talk about it, it even went up to, in certain places, 133 feet high. 20,000 people lost their lives, almost 20,000. 6,000 people were injured with 2,500 missing, still missing. And 1,600, close to 1,600 children lost either one or both of their parents. This was the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan. Do you know they talk about now, today, even back then, that this particular earthquake, it moved the Earth's axis over four inches. That's how powerful this was. And did you know the scientists even tell us that it, uh, this earthquake sped up the Earth's rotation now 1.8 microseconds. So our days actually got a little bit shorter. But, but crazy, this was this earthquake that we all saw in the news and we watched in horror and terror and even fear. And even there was a, the, the tsunami warning even for our islands, right, with, all, with this earthquake. Here's the interesting thing to me, and I remember this. Um, three days later, the Tokyo governor, uh, Shintaro Ishihara, call, went 
before the public was talking about the, the disaster here. He called the quake and tsunami, he called it a tembatsu, which is meaning divine punishment. And this is what he said in, uh, on the news. He said this, The Japanese identity is one of selfishness. We need to use the tsunami to wash away this selfishness. I think it's God's punishment. Interesting. Interesting uh, comment that he would make on the earthquake and tsunami. But you know what? Many in Japan, many in the world didn't like what he said. And, and there was a lot of criticism and talk about that. Whenever a natural disaster strikes, everyone wonders that, right? We all wonder, is, is this the judgment of God? Is, is this what's happening? A hurricane, a, a, the tsunami, right? An earthquake, all, the, all these things, even fires, all this natural calamity that goes on. And everyone, we all wonder, is that true? Is it really true? Is this God's judgment? But we know one thing, that during the tribulation, the natural disasters that are going to happen are God's judgment, for sure. And you know what? The whole world will have no question about it. They're going to come to see that this is certainly God's judgment falling upon the world. And that's what we're going to find here in Revelation 6. When we look at the sixth seal that is open, it's when all the world will experience the time of unprecedented natural disasters. And that's the title of our message. This is what the sixth seal is about. The time of unprecedented natural disasters. Now, we're going to be studying here this morning Revelation chapter 6 from verse 12 through 17. As I mentioned, we're going to finish the chapter. And I've broken up this, this passage into two sections. And this is our outline. Number one is six cataclysmic events, and number two, society's remorseless response. And that's really the, the key things we're going to be seeing here when the sixth seal is opened up. So let's begin here. Number one in our outline, six cataclysmic events. Six cataclysmic events. Now, in this section, we're, it's all covering from verses 12 through 14. And with that, let's take a look at that right now, first of all. Everything that we're going to cover here. Beginning in verse 12 of Revelation chapter 6, it says, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. Verse 14, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So we'll stop there and this is what we're going to cover here. Now as we get into verse 12, as we've been seeing now, right, throughout all the seals, John the Apostle is writing here, is taken up to heaven. And, he, and, he, and he's been reporting to us, basically, accounting and telling us what he's seen from chapter 4 on. And then when we got into chapter 6, he saw Jesus taking the scroll in his hand and beginning to break open the seals. Remember, the, the scroll is the title deed to the earth. We learned that in chapter 5. And in that scroll is really... Uh, uh, 
process or instructions on how Jesus is taking back the authority of the earth that was lost to Satan when man sinned. So this is the whole thing that's going on in the tribulation. But during the tribulation too, uh, as he opens the scrolls, uh, there's seals that sealing the scroll like in an ancient Roman document. And as he breaks each seal and unrolls the scroll, this event happens. And these events are what's going to transpire in the seven years of tribulation. So that's what we're seeing here. Do you remember uh, how each seal, when it's open, this judgment comes out. These events come out. God's judgment is poured out onto the world. And, and we saw that, right? In the first four seals, we saw the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we, we took uh, one Sunday every time looking at each of the four horses there with the white horse, the red horse, the black and pale horse. And then the fifth seal was opened up. And that's what we saw last time. And it, it revealed the judgment that's going to be coming upon people because of the persecution and mar martyring Christians. And we call last time, uh, our title last time was the coming justice for the martyrs of Jesus. Well, now we come to the sixth seal here in verse 12. And John reports here in this sixth seal. And as we read, this, this is going to come out where God judges the world with this unprecedented natural disasters falling upon the plant, planet. So we see here in verse 12, when he opened, that's Jesus, right? He was a worthy one. We saw in chapter 5, he opened the sixth seal. And out of these six seals, John says, Behold, I look, out of them come six cataclysmic events that are listed here. And we're going to take these one by one. The first of the six cataclysmic events, number one, is the massive earthquake. The massive earthquake. So if you look again in verse 12, he looked, Behold, I was, uh, there was a great Earthquake. Now, great means great. It's massive. It's huge. There's an earthquake. It's so much so that, think about this now. It's not just felt locally. Yeah, you know, usually like, oh, there's an earthquake, you know, off the island, you know, big island there, right? And sometimes we feel it, but they feel it more there. It's not like this. It's not like that. It, it, it's an earthquake, a massive one, so big that the whole planet feels it. it this is globally this earthquake is happening. And we understand earthquakes today. You know, when the tectonic plates move, right? Scientists are still fully trying to understand it all, but the idea is, is, is that uh, the Earth's crust, these plates, they move, they shift, they move this way or up and down. And that's what we believe is what has happened in the Japan earthquake. The plate went like this, and it created that tsunami and the shaking uh, that Japan felt there. Well, we understand. So when this happened, tectonic plates of the earth crust will move, but this is like all over. And it will be so drastic that the first time ever in history, unprecedented, it will be felt globally all at the same time time. So this is the idea. This, th there will be an earthquake like never before where every person on the planet feels it. You know, records show that an increase in earthquake activity have been getting more and more as the years roll on. 
One article um, I read, and this is, this is like a, a few years back from NBC. The headline was this, Worldwide Surge in Great Earthquake Seen in Past 10 Years. And the article goes on to say the annual number of great, great earthquakes nearly tripled over the last decade, providing a reminder to Americans that unruptured faults like those in the northwest United States might be due for a big one. Because I mean, think about in Oklahoma, it's like waking up there, right? While we see reports of earthquakes going on over there. The article goes on and says, between 2004 and 2014, 18 earthquakes with magnitudes of 8.0 or more rattled uh, subduction zones around the globe. Another article I came across uh, from a, a news agency in Israel said, 2021 on track to become record-breaking year of major earthquakes. In the first 65 days of this year, 42 major quakes magnitude 6 or higher have shaken the planet. So we know that's happening. I want to put up a graph for you. I think we have that. Uh, and I, I found, and this is uh, from 1935 to 2020, and this graph basically shows the earthquakes that have been going on through, through the decades there. But you can see basically with that line they drew, it's going up. There's more and more earthquakes going on. And you know what I think? I think that we need to be mindful that one day when the sixth seal is open, there's going to be a huge earthquake. And I think today, it's just a build-up to that. I think it's like four shocks. You know how there's aftershocks? Sometimes there's a shaking of the earth before the huge one happens. I think these are all four shocks. I think they're those birth pains of what's coming. So keep that in mind next time we see on the news that there's this earthquake. Because there's going to be a global one. There's going to be, number one we see here in the, the seal, a massive earthquake. Number two, we see in verse 12, the sun turns black. So after the great earthquake, John goes on here in Revelation 6, verse 12, the sun became black as sackcloth. So John sees this. He compares the sun turning black as sackcloth. Now, sackcloth back then was this rough material cloth they would wear whenever someone died or passed away. Mourners would wear, and it was made from black goat skin. So, that, so it's like when we go to a memorial, we wear black, right? Um, they would wear these black goat skins, real rough material, in show of their mourning of someone who passed away. So John says, whoa, the sun looks like it's wearing sackcloth there. This is what I think. Along with the massive earthquake, will come volcanic uh, eruptions, right? Usually uh, many times, you know, especially if, if like here, you know, in Hawaii or on the big island or other places with volcanoes, there's going to be an earthquake and there's going to be a volcanic eruption along with it. So I believe the massive shifts in the tectonic plates and all this uh, uh, earth's crust moving around... Uh, it's going to be all part of volcanoes, dormant volcanoes waking up and eruptions going on all around the world. And when that happens, you can imagine that the, the smoke, the ash that gets thrown up in the air. And then that's why the sun is going to be covered with all this ash in the air and it's going to turn black. It's, it's going to look like, oh, something went cover it. Yeah, 
Some, the sun put on sackcloth. Some, the sun was covered with all this ash and it turns black. So the first time in history, volcanoes go off all at the same time all around the world. You know, in April of 2010, after a series of earthquakes, a dormant volcano in the southern part of Iceland, it erupted. Um, I, ha- I wrote down, I typed in the name of it, but I can't even say it. It's, it's all just gibberish to me. It's in their language. But you can look it up. April 2010. And I remember that time. I don't know if you remember back then. I remember seeing on the TV news that ash went so high and so far that plane flights in northern Europe had to be canceled. Nearby towns in Iceland, the ash blocked the sun, turning the day into night. That's what happened. Look at this picture I found. This, this is kind of an idea of the ash and the, the, the cloud of ash coming out in Iceland at that time. Can, can you imagine that? I mean, think, things are happening. Volcanoes are waking up. We see this. Here and there, things are happening. You know, I was reading an article even just a few months ago. Scientists were reporting 18,000 earthquakes in the past few days signaling another eruption there in Iceland in another volcano. So this is going to be crazy times. So, There's the massive earthquake. The sun turns black, I believe, from volcanic eruptions. And number three, we read at the end of verse 12, the full moon became like blood. Now, at night, the moon looks like it's all red. And I believe it's also because of the ash in the air. I believe this is another result of the earthquakes and the volcanic eruptions. Notice it says here in verse 12, Full moon. Perhaps this is going to happen during a full moon. Perhaps it's going to be like during a, a super moon. You know what that super moon is, right? It's when the, the moon comes closest to the earth in its orbit. And it was just the other day, right? You looked in the night sky. Night was like day. It was so bright. But the moon was like huge. Yeah. You can almost see the, the, the U.S. flag there. No, but, but it was huge, right? I mean, that, that's a super moon. And the other day, what, they called it a, a super blood moon, right? Because there was a lunar eclipse. Because the earth passed between the sun and the moon and turned the, uh, the moon red. Well, that's what the ash is going to do. It's going to block, you know, it reflects sunlight, the moon. It's going to block that sunlight, the ash, and turn the moon Red, But here, it's not a lunar eclipse. I mean, it might be. But I believe the redness of the moon is most likely because of extreme volcanic activity. Now, I I want you to turn to Joel in the Old Testament. Joel, chapter 2, verse 31. It's one of the minor prophets, the smaller uh, prophetic books. And or, or uh, uh, smaller books in the Old Testament. And, and what Joel wrote here, I believe, is talking of the same event. Joel chapter 2, verse 31. Joel chapter 2, verse 31. And I want you to see this too. Here it's prophesied. Joel 2.31 the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. I believe it's talking about the same event. 
I believe Joel is talking about, can go back to Revelation 6, what the sixth seal is going to bring about. This earthquake, volcanic eruptions, the sun going dark, and the moon turning like blood. You know, what's interesting in the past years with all these things going on, every time we have that blood moon kind of event, people start wondering if this means we are in the end times tribulation. That, oh, oh, we're in the end times now because they actually quote this prophecy in Joel. But understand this, no, we're not in the end times tribulation. There's a lot of other stuff that got to happen, right? The church has to go home in the rapture. Uh, we've seen the other horses that happen. And, and even here in the sixth seal, there's going to be a global earthquake that's going to happen. So you might see that in the news. You might see uh, uh, you know, articles popping up, people talking about that. But with everything that we're going through even now, be biblical in your thinking. Be biblical in your thinking. All right. Well, number one, we see six of the six cataclysmic events, the massive earthquake, the sun turns black, the moon turns red. Well, number four, the shower of meteors. The shower of meteors. Look at verse 13 now. It says, And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as fig trees, uh, as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. So John writes here, he's seen stars falling to the earth. You know what that is? I believe he's talking about meteors, these asteroids. I, I think if I have this right, asteroids are the, you know, the, they come from space, but when they hit the earth's atmosphere, they turn into meteors. I, I think that's the technical jargon with that. But asteroids, meteors, they come in and enter the earth's atmosphere, and usually what happens? They hit the atmosphere from space where there's no atmosphere, right? And they start to burn, right? So it looks like what? Falling stars, yeah? Sometimes if you look up in the night sky, you can see shooting stars, we call it, right? These meteors, these asteroids entering the Earth's atmosphere. Some of them are small. They burn really bright and burn up, and they don't hit the Earth. Some do. Well, John's saying there's so many here. It's like figs falling from a tree. It's like someone shaking this tree and they're all like boom, 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 all falling down. Or I should say, it's like a big wind comes and that's what he's saying. And they're all falling onto the earth. So like never experienced in all of history, meteors were rain down and plummet the earth. You know what's interesting? The word earthquake in verse 12 uh, is a Greek word seismos, and it's it, it, it's where we get our words uh, se- seismic, you know, and it literally means shaking. And this seismos, we we put it toward earthquake and the earth and all that, but really in the Greek uh, way of what they use it, it's not just the ground. It could be water. It could be even the sky. They would use it in that sense. So. I think John can imagine like, like, like a wind came in. It's, it's, it's like, you know, the earthquake is shaking, the volcanoes, volcanoes are erupting, and it just seems like the whole universe is shaking too. And suddenly all these meteors are falling from the sky 
in, onto the earth like falling fruit. And I believe, I, I, I think it's not just small ones, but it's going to be big ones and giant ones too. Just potholing the earth and doing so much damage. You know, just last April, an asteroid the size of a bus, they say buzzed the earth, went by the earth. Um, it came, they say, 12,000 miles close. That's what they said. At first I'm thinking, well, 12,000 miles, I don't know, to me, that, that's a long ways off. Well, to give you perspective, the moon is 238,000 miles away. A GPS satellite is 20,000 miles away. But this meteor came like half, almost half that distance to the earth. And everyone's like, whew, glad that that didn't hit us. I, I don't know what movie it was, right? There was a meteor supposed to hit the earth. And in this movie, they had to try and, you know, hit it away and all that. Well, think about this time. No one's going to stop these meteors. These meteors in Revelation 6 will hit their target, and they're going to hit this planet. So, number one, the massive earthquake. The sun turns black. The moon turns red. Number four, the shower of meteors. And then number five, out of these six cataclysmic events, the atmospheric change. The atmospheric change. Now, look at verse 14. John writes, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So he describes the sky now, the blue sky, it, it, it vanished basically. Uh, uh, it, perhaps uh, the ash in the sky from the volcanoes maybe, perhaps the meteor debris coming through, perhaps explosions that are happening all over in the air. And, and it, 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 he said it was, it was like it, it rolled up, like the blue sky like rolled up like a scroll and vanished away. Maybe I picture a line of dark clouds, like that picture I showed you uh, earlier, like when that line of dark clouds are just coming together, yeah, and it looks like the sky is just rolling up together. So, so the whole sky is disappearing into this gray and darkness. And so when John looks up, it looks like the, the sky is going rolling up while these clouds, dark clouds are rolling like that. So I, I picture that. Some even say, well, uh, it, maybe it's the whole solar system. The word sky here could be used with the whole sky solar system, even in the sense that, well, maybe with the earthquake, maybe with the eruptions, maybe the, the planet shifts even more on, on its axis, and the whole solar system shifts and changes, and it looks like the sky is rolling up. We're not sure what this is exactly, but when you look up, the sky will not be the same. The whole atmosphere, that's why I say, will be changing. We find the same prophecy in Isaiah 34.4, and I want to put this up on the screen. This is the NLT version. It says, the heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like withered leaves from a grapevine. I think that's the meteors, right? And shriveled figs from a fig tree. So Isaiah prophesied, I believe, of this same exact event we're reading about here in the six seals. So six cataclysmic events are listed here. The massive earthquake, the sun turns black, the moon turns red, the shower of meteors, the atmospheric change. And then number six, the last thing that is listed here, I call it the shift in the landscape. Verse 14, 
At the end it says, And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Land shifted. Land, the whole landscape changed here. I think with the earthquake, the volcanic activity, the tectonic plates moving around, the whole landscape of the planet changes. It says every mountain was removed. In other words, the, the word means shifted. Every mountain was moved over. Every mountain. Every, every mountain you could think of here in the world. It's like moved over. Later we're going to see it totally flattened and totally devastated. And then look, it says islands. And I put together the every there. And every island was removed from its place. It was shifted over. Isn't that crazy? They're not in the same place. Uh, uh, the, the, your GPS won't work the same. The planet will not be like it was before. The landscape will shift and change, and, and, and we're not going to recognize things. It's going to move so much. Just um, the other day, I, uh, I think it was uh, later last week, driving downtown, I, I, I was, I mean, you notice, right, there's new asphalt. Yeah, they're doing the road going downtown. And then it just made me think about the other side. <laughs> think about, oh, we get the cement. Over there, what are they going to do there? You know, and some of that's all boom, 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 right? I'm just wondering. But then my mind went up to, do you remember the time when it was two up, one down? Yeah. And, and, and I was trying to picture that. What, what was that like? I don't know, my memories. I was trying to figure out what, what, what was that like? Everything shifted. There's two, two up, two down now. I remember Mokulele, right? When there was just one way, one way, and, and the wheelie, wheelie trees in between, yeah? And, and I remember I was like, when they were talking about they're going to redo the world, and I thought, how are they going to do that? And do you remember when they were constructing? I go, where's this going? Where's I was trying to figure out, huh? And then I was like, where's the old road? Oh, it's down there now, you know, by the turn when you get into Kia. And it's like, wow. But today it's like, oh, it's every day. And, and I forget what it's like. Some things have changed here. Some haven't. But think about this. In the tribulation, it's all going to change. It's all going to be different. The landscape is going to be shifted. You know, I was thinking about our island here, our state. It's going to shift. Later on, we're going to see in Revelation that it's no more. And I'll tell you what, even reading this here, thinking about how the island, our island is going to shake, and it's going to shake so much, and who knows if, if Haleakala is going to wake up or whatever, uh, but it's going to move. And think about what that's going to do to the people still living on this island during the tribulation. I'll tell you, about, I, I'm reading this stuff more and more. I, I've mentioned this before. It makes my heart sore. I hope it does for you too. This is what's coming. We have to understand and believe and know that this is prophecy. This is truth. And Maui needs to hear about Jesus because judgment is coming. Now, before we go on to our next section, I was thinking about this. Uh, and I kind of threw it out there uh, before, you know, earlier. This brings up a question. Are all natural disasters the judgment of God? Are all natural disasters the judgment of God? We know that the sixth seal for sure it is. It's in the tribulation time and all that. But how about today? How about that tsunami and earthquake in Japan? How, how, how about 
the, the, the tsunami in Thailand or those other places or earthquakes and a lot of people dying. Turkey, had, I think, had an earthquake, right? What, what about those times? Are all natural disasters the judgment of God? Well, I think there's two answers to that question. Number one is, it can be the judgment of God. It can be. I mean, we look in the Old Testament, things like famine that came upon the land of Israel because they wandered away from God. And God even told them, look, if you, if you leave me, if you abandon me, if you go to other gods, you know, I'm going to bring a famine in the land. But if you return, well, I'll make your land fruitful again. So it could be weather events and things like that, hurricanes. It could be the judgment of God. We know that, remember how an earthquake happened. The ground opened up and swallowed those who complained and rebelled against the leadership of Moses in number 16. Remember that story. That's, that's a crazy one. They're tense and everyone, and it closed back up. I, I, I would say, I think that's the judgment of God on them for what they were doing. So we see many times in the Old Testament, and like here in the Revelation, God who controls everything, right, can use natural disasters as judgment. So are all natural disasters a judgment of all? It can be. It can be. But I think there's a second answer to this question. It can be also, or it could be, the result of living in a fallen world could be that too. It, it really could be that we live in this fallen world and, and the way things are going, yeah? Perhaps um, some of this talk, right, of climate change is affecting, you know, the weather to where it's affecting us and crops and things. And it could be, right? Every time we come into hurricane season, which we are now, you know, they talk about that. It could be, could be that we as human beings are not taking care of things and it's causing other things. It could be just part of this fallen world where, where uh, when, after Adam and Eve sinned, right, there was a curse and, and thorns came up, right, out of the ground and thistles, yeah? It could, could be that. Centipedes came there. No, but, but right, it, it could be that. And in, like in Romans 8, 20, 21 says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. I talked to you guys about that before in Romans 8, 20. It's really talking about how even creation is under the curse. So it could be a lot of these natural disasters that can be the result of living in a fallen world. The curse of sin not only affects affects people, but all of creation, and that's in the natural disasters. The laws of nature working in a fallen world. So when natural disasters come, many times we don't know for sure exactly what's going on. But what we do know is God is sovereign. Yeah. God may have a plan in all of this, behind all this. God, God is working either way. In all of this. And in this, you know what? It should cause us to pray for the souls affected. Yeah? It's easy for us to, to speculate and say, well, maybe that happened, you know, in Haiti because they worship voodoo people. Yeah? Or, or, or maybe this area because, you know, they, they're, they're, they're doing this. And certainly it could be. 
but I'm sure there was other innocent people there. I think it really comes down to, when we think about it, is that we're, because of the fall, we're all destined to die. But sometimes it's in different ways. Yeah. It, it's just part of that. So that's why we need to pray for the souls affected. So we could talk, we could spend a whole day on this. <laughs> I tried to like bring it all the way. But the basic answer, are natural disasters the judgment of God? It can be, and it can be the result of we're just in this fallen world. Well, let's go on to number two now. Society's remorseless response. We got to pray for the lost. There's coming this time of unprecedented natural disasters. We saw the six cataclysmic events, but now look at the response to all this. And so, number two in our outline society's remorseless response. And we're going to be covering the rest of the verses of this chapter here. But first of all, verse 15. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful, every slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Now, before we, we, we get into this, I just want to put in your minds, can you imagine what they're feeling at this moment, right? The earth is shaking, volcanoes going on, the, you look up in the sky, it's all dark, the, 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 the blue is gone, yeah? The sun is dark. The moon looks red at night. I mean, just, just imagine all these things that are going on. These are un, uh, unprecedented times. These natural disasters that never have happened ever in, in history. And what do you think they're feeling? I think they're feeling fear. Yeah? I think they're feeling terror at this moment. And, and, and I, I even circled the word hid here in verse 15 because they're hiding in fear, not just to save their lives, but they're, this, is, this is like the most scariest moment yeah? when natural disasters happen and, and you can't do anything about it. Oh, you're full of, of fear here. You know what? Jesus talked about this too. If you turn to the left to Luke, Luke chapter 21. And I just want to get this into your, their, your minds here, sort of, with what's going on. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 21. If you look at verse 25 and 26. Here Jesus was talking about the end times in this chapter. And here in verse 25, Luke 21, Jesus says, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth. Distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. Just know, of course the ocean's going to be going crazy and all the shaking and everything, right? And tsunamis, right, happening here. And then look at verse 26, Luke 21. It says, people fainting with what? Fear. With foreboding, like, oh, you know, terror in that way of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be Shaken. So just imagine what's going on with all of this. But let me tell you this, going back to Revelation chapter 6. I believe this fear, naturally, we're all going to have in times of natural disaster. And even though it could be the judgment of God, I believe it's still God trying to reach people. I believe God is trying to get people's attention. We're going to be talking about that in a moment. So with that in mind, 
And as this, the rest of these verses unfold, I, I want to show you four things that natural disasters do. Four things that natural disasters do. And I, I believe it, it, it's, it's God trying to reach people through this. And number one is this. Natural disasters teach the uncertainty of life no matter who you are. Natural disasters teach the uncertainty of life no matter who you are. Verse 15 is interesting because there's a list here of people in society. And if you look at it, what we read, it's, it's, it's people in different levels of society. There's seven groups that are listed here. First of all, in verse 15, the kings of the earth. Who's that? It speaks of the heads of state, the presidents, yeah? the prime ministers. And I was thinking, those guys are the ones that, that they have a plan, right? Of, of a bunker or, or, or they're, 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 they're our, our leaders, so we, we got to protect them. Air Force One, right? The secret bunker below the White House, all of that stuff, right? So presidents, kings, prime, minister, prime ministers, they're affected. They, can, they can't escape this. Secondly, listed is the great ones. I believe that speaks of high-ranking government officials, uh, Congress people, right? The parliament, even on the state and local levels, right? We need our leaderships in government, so they have plans too, but they're affected in this too. Next, next is uh, the generals, yeah? Speak of military leaders who are in authority over our, our armed forces. They're usually protected too, but they're affected in all of this. And then it says the rich here in verse 15. Next is listed the rich. It's the wealthy, right? And I was thinking, remember back with, with the, um, the black horse, right? That perhaps the, 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 uh, the oil and the wine weren't touched because the rich guys, they made it through the famine. But perhaps in this manner, the wealthy might have escaped the famine, cannot escape this. Next listed are the powerful. I kind of picture like maybe powerful business owners, influential people in our society, maybe the famous ones, yeah? And usually they make it through, like economic disaster, you know, like our pandemic and all. a lot of, hey, these guys, they, they made it through. But you know what? They don't escape either. And then listed next is everyone, everyone else in society, middle class, the poor, including, John writes here, slave and free. Now back in the ancient times, a slave were the, the workers, basically. They're the everyday work guys. And, and, the, and, and, and the free, and some of them were freed, but even freed, they're still in that lower class. So, no matter your political position, military power, if you have money or not, famous or not, poor, every person on the planet in every level of society is affected here. So every person faces that uncertainty of life. No matter who you are, every person is facing what? They could die. And that's what's going on here. So natural disasters, you know what? They teach the uncertainty of life no matter who you are. You can't get away from that, right? Number two, we see something here. Natural disasters show that you are not in control. That you're not in control. Back to verse 15 again. It's... It says that, that they hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. 
They were forced to flee. They were forced to run. They're, they went into caves, maybe among the rocks. Maybe, maybe there's bunkers there. Yeah? Maybe there are underground bunkers. Maybe they try and find shelter from the falling debris, the ash, the meteorites. But there was really no place to find any escape, no place to hide, because everything is being shaken now. Yeah? Everything, the whole world, globally, there's this earthquake, eruptions, all that is going on. And here's the thing: what I see, they go and hid themselves. I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna uh, but but it, they're still uh, uh, experiencing all of this, and they cannot stop the natural disaster, right? They cannot stop it. The only thing they can think to do is just run and hide from it. In other words, all this is beyond their control, and they're facing up to that fact that you're not in control. You are, isn't that what natural disasters do, right? When the earthquake comes, we're in fear like, whoa, 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 we, we can't do anything about it. Oh, you're supposed to hide here, or, you know, uh, go in the doorway, get under a table, but what if it's really big, yeah? right? What the hole does, open. I mean, these are things out of our control, and that's what happens in natural disasters. We can't control, no wonder, right? When natural disasters happen, you hear, well, this is an act of God. Yeah? Some insurance policies say, well, if this happens, this happens, or an act of God. Because it's something you can't control. You know what? I think it's funny how, yeah, when the weather goes bad or things like that go hap- happen, and we say, oh, it's an act of God. But we don't acknowledge when the weather is good that that's an act of God, too. Yeah, it's all an act of God. But do you understand? When natural disasters happen, oh, they show, I'm, I'm not in control. So no matter the, the powerful leader or our military general who's in control of a powerful army, when a natural disaster comes, oh, shows them you're not in control. Number three, natural disasters reveal what you really believe. Think about this, right? Natural disasters reveal what you really believe. Look at verse 16. So these guys, they hid themselves, right, in the rocks and the caves and all. And then they were calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us. Notice, they're in their fear and despair. Things are out of control. They can't control all of this. They can't run. It's affecting everybody. You know what? They gathered together for a prayer meeting. But it's not to God. Sadly, they pray to what? Like Mother Nature. They call out to the universe for the rocks and to fall on them and kill them. It's so bad. But, but look at this, how in desperate times, right, they reach for whatever gods, whatever they believe in. So natural disasters bring out what we believe, right? There's an old Japanese proverb that says, people turn to the gods in times of trouble. God, G-O-D-S. And it's true and it's out of, out of our strength or what we can do, we call out to whatever we believe in for outside help for, for, for come and rescue us. And you know what? That's what natural disasters do. They reveal what you really believe. And that's what's going on here. But number four, the last thing, is that natural disasters call on you to take God seriously. Natural disasters call on you to take God seriously. Now the rest of verse 16, they, they're, they're, they're you know, having this prayer meeting, calling on nature, 
to, to fall on them and uh, um, they're calling on the mountains and the rocks to fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. In verse 17, for the great day of the wrath has come and who can stand? Isn't this, this is unbelievable. They, they see now what's going on. Yeah. They, they understand in this unprecedented natural disaster, it forces them to, to really see seriously and clearly this is God bringing judgment upon the world. That's what natural disasters do. We know it's act of God. It's beyond our control. And then it makes us pray. And if we have some sense of God in us, we cry out to God and, it, and we take God seriously. Yeah? When troubles happen, when extreme things happen, I do a lot of times, oh God, we hear prayers, right? Oh God, if, if, if you save me, rescue me from this, I'll follow you all my life. Yeah? We take God seriously and we try and be serious about our life. But notice these guys. They see it's God. They take God seriously. They see it, this is God's judgment. Most people would repent and turn to God at this moment, but they refuse to. They refuse. This, this is so tragic here. They're, they're, they're calling on the mountains, rocks to kill them and hide them from the face of Him who is seated on the throne. The Creator of the universe. Yeah? The Lord God. They refuse to face God who sits on the throne and rules everything. You know what that is? They refuse to submit to God. They, they would rather die than accepting Jesus. They're, they're like, um, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. They know Jesus is the Lamb of God. They know He's the one who died on the cross. That's Jesus. And they would rather die than accept Jesus as He's the one who saves us from our sin. They would rather do that. Notice it kind of sounds funny. The wrath of the Lamb. Bah! Woo! <laughs> it's kind of a funny term. But do you understand? They, they rather die than accept Jesus in their heart. And they resist, you guys, even knowing this is, verse 17, the great day of their wrath, of God's wrath, judgment falling upon the world. They realize this. The first time in history all these cataclysmic events are happening, they realize this is judgment of God falling here. And who can stand? Who can survive this? Isn't that crazy? You know what I was thinking? How did they know? You know Why? Because the tribulation saints were witnessing, right? The tribulation saints were sharing Jesus Christ. And they're sharing that judgment. This is we're in the judgment time. And all of a sudden it's happening like this. And it's out of control. They can't do anything. And they're like, this, it's true. This is the wrath. But they're still unwilling yeah, to repent Accept Jesus and be saved and all. This funny thing is they rather die than face God in judgment here. That's what they're thinking. But, but the funny thing is that they don't realize in death they still got to face God. Their mind has been so warped in all of this. So, well, this is so sad. This is society's remorseless response. They rather die in an avalanche of rocks than repent of their sins and submit to God. Even though they believe this is God. They believe in God. You know, it reminds me, they're like what 
James said in James 2.19, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Yeah? Think about that. Satan believes in Jesus and in God. The demons believe in Jesus and God the Father. But they don't submit to God. They're not saved by God. They, 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 don't, they, they know God is real. That's like these guys. Listen, sometimes God brings us in some extreme circumstances to get our attention so that we would take Him seriously. But sadly here, God's doing all this. I mean, it's judgment, yeah. And it's part of the tribulation, but God's doing all this, even, even in this, trying to reach Him. But the world has gone so far in sin, right? So far, just been blinded by Satan. So far messed up in their mind that they don't want anything to do with God. Isn't that sad? And even in this, I'll tell you, I, I, I know it sounds crazy, but God's trying to get them to take Him seriously. He's trying to reach out to Him. In his book, An Act of God by Erwin, uh, Erwin W. Lutzer, he wrote this, Natural disasters are just one more way that God reveals himself and begs us to turn from our wicked ways. But here's the good news. You don't have to go through this. Yeah? That's the good news. You can't escape what's coming by repenting of your sin, by, by going to Jesus, by giving your life to Jesus, by submitting to him. By not being fooled by Satan anymore. I mean, this is how far gone they've gone. And I mean, we can sit there and go, whoa, what? Just turn to the Lord here. Yeah? What? You want the rocks to kill you? Because you think you won't see, see God in all of this and you won't have to do all this and be judged like this? We sit here and go, that, that's crazy thinking. But understand, think about your past, how sin has made you thought, think crazy things, right? Well, think about the world who's totally into all this. Totally into the deception of Satan. They bought it all. And it comes to this point where they think, well, I'm, I'm a, I can get, escape all this if, if I just die. So Mother Nature, just kill me now. Yeah. But you know, you don't have to go through all this. So don't be so blind and don't be so hard-hearted to these things and fall into the devil's life but give your life to Jesus. Start living for Him. He's, he's, he's trying to fool all of us, you know, in different ways. Even, even believers, the church, especially those who don't know the Lord. You look what's going on on society or, or, or social media, or you see, see what's, what's being put forth even by a government. Little by little, the enemy's putting that out. Satan's putting that out. Little by little, the enemy's setting up the whole world for a global government. And when, as he gets everyone's thinking that way and everyone wanting that, he's setting the stage to bring in the Antichrist. And that's all part of this deception too. So don't be fooled by Satan anymore. In the end, it's going to be you're either saved or you're not. There's no other choice here. There's no gray area. 
There's no like, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, and but I'm going to kind of live the way I want to live. That's, that's not what God wants. That is not His will. I'll follow God up until this point. That's not what God would want. Uh, I don't need God. You guys are crazy what you're talking about. Um, revelation, who can understand it anyway? Yeah? There's all those excuses. Ah, who knows? It's an ancient book. Oh, Or there's other, other, other explanations like, well, this all happened. It's all allegory and everything. No, this is prophecy. You either believe it or not. You're saved or not. I want to close with this. After um, the news of Titanic's tragedy reached the world, remember April 1912 and the Titanic sank, the challenge was how to inform the passengers and relatives whether their loved ones had survived. Uh, At the White Star Line's office in Liverpool, England, a huge board was set up, and on one side was a cardboard sign with the heading, Known to be Saved. And on the other side was another cardboard sign with the words, known to be lost. Hundreds of people gathered every day to intently watch the updates, holding their breaths when a messenger brought new information to be posted. Although the travelers on the Titanic were first class, second class, third class passengers, after the ship went down, there were only two categories the living and the dead, those who were saved and those who were lost. That's the serious reality here. When judgment comes, there's only going to be two classes. Those who are saved, those who are lost. Those who embrace Jesus and give them their life, they're going to be saved. But look at those who stubbornly still reject God. They're going to be judged. They're going to go through a horrific time. And even, sadly, there's going to be those who still reject Jesus in the time of unprecedented natural disasters. Let's pray. God, as we close up this um, message, God, I pray for hearts that are hearing me now that we would repent and not be stubborn no more. That we would give our lives to you and submit to your will, your plan, and not keep living the way we think, but to be children of God as we should be. Pray for those who have never accepted you that they would do that right now. I pray that you would keep them, Lord, from this time that is coming. That you would keep them from a total deception upon the world where they, they, they basically just don't. Or even in these extreme circumstances, they won't repent. They refuse to. They will refuse to accept you. They, knowing even that you're real. God, how far our heart can go. How far we can be blinded by the devil's lies. Open our blind eyes right now to your truths and help us to know that even in all this, reading about judgment, you love us, God. And you still love us, even in our sins and rebellion and blindness, God. 
you still reach out to us and you're reaching out right now, God. And I pray that we would all respond to you. Oh, Jesus, forgive us, cleanse us, fill us, Lord, with your spirit and come into our lives and help us to live for you right now. With all of these things in our minds, Lord, God, we want you even more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.